Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Grow on the Go. Yeah. Your voice has such clarity this evening. I Compared to last time, right? Yeah. I mean, last time we were going via Zoom and mm. you, our internet connection was bad. And so every five seconds or so, I would lose you for about two seconds. So. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird there's pauses. There's a lot of weird pauses. That, I know? apologize. We both had COVID and couldn't leave the house. And that's one of the other, the reasons that I sounded very weird. Oh, see, of course, I could barely hear you. Also, I only got you, were, you in a few seconds at a time. You were using um, a better mic than I was, too, and so I sort of sound like I'm in the bottom oh, of Oh, do you? I'm sorry. Of a, of of a, a well. Bucket. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, you know what? I, I feel like people's tolerance for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Excellent production value from the blanket fort. <laughs> yes, has improved dramatically. Um, but we will try to, uh, you know, make it sound a little bit better tonight great today love that yeah and i want to talk about why christians should be nosy love that do you sure <laughs> you love being nosy i love knowing things <laughs> actually okay brain blast i wonder like i wonder if that's where nosy comes from like you could it could be literal like nosing around like I a dog so. Rubbing but like nose in but like also like i like knowing things uh, nosy. Nosy. N-O-W-K-N-O-W-S-Y. You could... <laughs> nosy. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, one time I heard a pastor say that most people are only three questions away from tears. Oh, if that. Isn't that an interesting idea, though? Yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I say a lot, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. Yeah. Well, Because I... I will tell you and you may not like it. <laughs> Uh, I was curious to see if that if that was scientific in some way. And I so I Googled it and I couldn't find any scientific evidence behind it, but or studies or anything like that. But I did find a YouTube video of a CNN interview of tennis great Roger Federer. And it literally only took three questions from the interviewer before Federer was fighting tears. It was interesting because they moved from his success in the game of mm. tennis um, in, in answer to the first two questions, to a question about the, uh, his deceased mentor who had inspired him. And, and that took him to such a deep, vulnerable yeah, place. Yeah, that'd so, do it. So fast. Yeah. It, it was fascinating to me to see um, that pastor's um, comment played out, you know, in reality. It was, he, he that uh, Roger Federer was so close um, to tears like the the they were they were there they, they were, were waiting in the wings just waiting in the wings just below the surface to change the metaphor <laughs> um, and it's probably true that most of us are three questions away from tears right mm. we all have hurts and stress that we're managing at any given time and I think if we are in tune with the people that we meet mm -hmm. and we really listen to their words and their hearts we can often access a really vulnerable place in them that yeah. needs care. Have you seen um, Encanto yet? No. So it's a new Disney movie with music by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who I love. I know you do. Um, and there's a song that's like super catchy and fun to listen to mm -hmm. called Surface Pressure. 
Um, and the lyrics <laughs> we are... We almost had an awkward Zoom pause No, there. no, sorry. I'm trying to remember the lyrics. The lyrics are, like, you listen to them and they are profound. Um, like, one of the lyrics is, under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Um, and just, like, talking about all of her family's expectations riding on her and, like, if she can't do the things they expect of her everything falls apart and she cannot show any cracks. She can't take a break and she feels all this pressure. And um, I think it, it's really resonating with like parents of little kids that are watching the show, mm. uh, the movie, and they, they hear it and they're like, wait, why am I crying? What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's, it is poignant. I love Disney's. I'm, I'm going to have to watch that one. Yeah. I, I heard a rumor that I have access to the Disney Channel. You do. With, with Disney Plus, yes. Disney Plus, yes. Yeah. Okay. You do. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to get that password from you. Yeah. All uh, right. I'll have to get it from Scott. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it should actually be set up on, on the computer that you guys stream from. Because okay. that's how we watched Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, we're not going to be nosy just... To be voyeurs of people's yeah. pain. Emotional tourists. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Thank you. Yeah. But we we want to be nosy so that we can show care to people, mm -hmm. help them heal, mm -hmm. and introduce them to Jesus, who is the healer of hearts. So the danger of appearing nosy when we ask too many questions obviously exists. But I found more often than not, people long to tell their stories and to be heard by an empathetic listener who really does care. Both you and your sister had the same preschool teacher. Mm -hmm. For the sake of the podcast, we'll call her Mrs. Jones. <laughs> and she was such an amazing lover of children. I just, watching the way that she interacted with, with little people, just taught... Children. Little people? Little? Yeah, little people often refers to people uh, with dwarfism. dwarfism. We're referring okay. to children, yeah. Yes, we are referring to children. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. I just um, wanted to clarify. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the way that she inter interacted with, with little kids taught us so much about, and when I say us, I don't mean you, I mean <laughs> dad and me. I barely remember um, it. So much about <clears throat> about really seeing people. And, the, and really listening to them. So the, the, the routine was the parents would all line up outside the closed door of the classroom with their little uh, children before school started. And when it was time for preschool to start, Mrs. Jones, Jones would open the door and get down to their level, like on her knees or squatting, and she'd greet each child one at a time while the parents waited. Each kid got a hug and a chance to tell the teacher his or her little stories or show their, you know... Their little scrapes and boo-boos or whatever. And she made eye contact with them and hung on their every word. And then after school, the process was repeated sort of in reverse. The parents lined up again outside the door and Mrs. Jones knelt and gave each of the children a hug before they left the classroom and were reunited with their parents. And she'd say to each one, Mrs. Jones loves you. It took forever, and sometimes we adults felt pretty impatient, but she really impressed Randy and me, and, and we told her so. We told her what a impression she'd made on us. Well, one day she said something that really surprised me. She said, some days the encouragement you and your husband give me is the only thing that gets me through the day. 
Oof. I know. I was so I was surprised, and I realized right then that I had a choice to make. Mm-hmm. As her vulnerable comment just sort of hung there in the air. When people don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but my instinct is like people don't say that just for their own satisfaction. That is, it's an invitation. Asking, yeah. It felt like an invitation for yeah. sure, and but I still hesitated for a moment. I'm like. Okay, do I do the polite thing and smile and say, mm. oh, good, and, you know, say goodbye and then, you know, and then leave? Or I could be a little bit nosy and ask a question. And I decided to be nosy. I said, is there some hard stuff going on in your life or something like that? And that was all it took. Just that little bit of interest opened the floodgates. And I learned that Mrs. Jones' sister had been murdered by her husband. There was all kinds of devastating stuff still going on related to the trial and the custody of her sister's two young daughters. Mrs. Jones was in 10 kinds of pain and she needed someone to listen to her story. Mm -hmm. In John's biography of Jesus, the story is told of another woman with a painful story. Jesus met her as he was resting by a village well while his friends went into town to buy food. The woman was there alone in the midday heat to draw water. So Jesus asked her for a drink, which was only the first time that day that he did something that completely shocked this woman. It was beyond extraordinary in that first century culture for a man, any man, to address a woman who wasn't a relative. The fact that he was Jewish and she was a Samaritan made it totally surreal. With the cultural barriers of the day already broken, the way was paved for a a fork in the road kind of conversation a conversation that ended up changing the whole trajectory of that woman's life. When she replayed their dialogue in her head later that day, which I'm sure she must have done, she must have wondered what she actually told Jesus about her life and what he just simply knew. He had revealed the story of her life as if he'd always known her, not just about her, but knowing what was going on inside of her. Jesus actually only had to ask one question, and that was all it took. I think she sensed his genuine interest and accepted the invitation to interact with him. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus all he needed to know to reach deep places in this woman and surface her spiritual hunger. Somehow he knew she'd had five failed marriages in her wake and was now living with yet another man. Somehow he knew why she couldn't stand to be alone. There was a relentless longing inside her that drove her from one relationship to another, looking for someone to accept her, validate her, and love her. But no matter what she did, it never lasted. She couldn't please them, and they could never give her what she so desperately needed. But Jesus could. If this broken woman was surprised when Jesus revealed who she was, she must have really been shocked when he told her who he was. He came right out and said it, I am the Messiah. So often Jesus was less than forthcoming when interacting with people, and not just about his identity. I mean, you know, he, he told demons, don't tell anybody who I am, or he, you know, um, he silenced demons who, who called him son of God, and other people who referred to him that way. He shut them down because he didn't want people to know at the beginning of his ministry. Mm. It wasn't time yet for Mm. what would inevitably happen, right? But he also taught in parables that 
really are, are kind of like riddles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he explained them, but a lot of times he didn't. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus cursing a tree, which was a hmm. little riddleish. Yeah, that was a little okay. Well, the interesting, interesting thing about choice. that one is it was obtuse to us, but it wasn't to the yeah. people who saw it happen. It's one of those ones that ages fine, but not particularly clearly. Yeah, exactly. So we're all like. What? Okay. What did weird, that tree ever do to you? Weird flex, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the reason Jesus was so direct with her is I think he realized how receptive she was to him. Mm. She wasn't playing games or trying to trick him into saying something incriminating like so many of the other people who engaged Jesus. She knew what the word Messiah meant. He was the one sent from God, the one the Jewish scriptures said would come to set things right in the world. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I want to jump in here real quick. Yeah. Um, so she was a Samaritan, which means she was a Gentile. So she was, she was not... actually a half breed. So they were they were Jews that had intermarried with Gentiles. Okay. And they so... were hated by the Jews. Oh, that's not biblical. <laughs> At least not the New Testament. Um, okay, so she was racially half Jewish. Right. Do we know if she was a practicing Jew? They had their, the Samaritans sort of had their own way of practicing Judaism, which okay. of course the Jews did not Hated. think was Yeah, they cool were very, all. yeah, they yeah. were very, they were very about rules In fact, rules one of the, the time. part of the conversation that Jesus had with this woman was where it was appropriate to worship. Because right. the Jews, of course, it was always the temple in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. The Samaritans had another venue. Yeah. And so well, well, they couldn't go to the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> when they weren't allowed. Okay, so she would have had the <clears throat> the uh, theological understanding of the Messiah then. Yeah. It wasn't just like she knew the word, she, no, she knew she the would, significance. She, yeah. Okay. Yeah. From cool. the conversation, you. you can tell that she did. Um, so she knew he was the one that the Jewish scriptures said would come. And that explained a lot, like how he knew so much about her and why he had the audacity to offer himself as living water. <laughs> In other words, the meter of her deepest needs. Mm -hmm. This woman only spent a few minutes in Jesus' presence, but suddenly she knew what she needed and wanted. Enough to go find the people she'd been avoiding. She, 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 gone to the well at high noon for a reason, right? Yeah, it's too hot. nobody else is there. Yeah, too hot. Now she's going and looking for these people that she's tried so hard to avoid. Cannot relate. And telling them that she met the Messiah. If you met the Messiah. If I met the Messiah, face, I might. Like... <laughs> you absolutely would. Not only did she find healing for her own hurts, but she found new purpose. She became an evangelist. Which, sidebar, and we have a whole series about topics like this called the biblical feminist. Um, but a lot of evangelists, preachers, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. were women. A lot mm -hmm. of the first ones were, mm -hmm. especially. And I think that is so empowering. And I consider that such a love letter to us mm -hmm. as a group of people um, from God. Because, you know... He, he knew and knows all, and I think he could probably see we were already oppressed. There was going to be a whole lot more to come. So entrusting us to tell his story so early on. Well, you know what's so interesting is that a lot of the pioneers, um, evangelist pioneers, mm -hmm. so people who've gone to new places, like mm -hmm. missionaries, yeah. and also the people who 
um, brought the gospel to Western Canada. Like, we're not going back that far nope. here. Those were women. Well, A and, lot of them were women. And, I mean, look, not to get misandrist, but... A lot of social movements were very much championed by women, often often women of color, too. Mm, so, cool. yeah, I think, and this is a whole other podcast, but I think a lot of the oppression that women have faced are um, the result of spiritual warfare mm. and the potency that, makes sense. that we have as communicators, as empathetic humans who natural networkers who have that who have that piece of who god is um in the way that we can communicate and and love and sorry this mm -hmm. is such an aside but it's, it's something no. about which i'm very passionate about really yeah if you're not a woman <laughs> there it doesn't mean like evangelism's not for you or any any such thing i just i think mm. i think Almost every religion, and Christianity is no exception, and I'm talking about religion, not the faith system, but the institution, um, religion often has a tendency to marginalize women. Well, and I think, like I was saying, it's fairly recent. I mean, yeah. it comes and goes in culture, right? Yeah. But in the Christian church, it's fairly recent that... that um, marginalization like in the last few generations yeah i mean a lot of that marginalization too has been cultural the cultural the culture surrounding mm -hmm. um christianity yeah so like in the biblical times it was a long time um you know it was it was cultural but uh now culturally women are still marginalized but significantly less so mm -hmm. however there are still churches that don't allow women to be ordained or to lead the church mm -hmm. or or what have the you elders or deacons or or what yeah. have you yeah, yeah. so yeah. so anyway that's kind of an aside that is a whole other show but <laughs> it's it's important to me so i thought i'd sneak it in well let me just talk, go back to talking with mrs jones yes. after that encounter of her having her story heard with empathy she and her husband started coming to church and they joined a small group and the people in those that group patiently helped her heal her damaged relationship with god and led her husband to jesus and was she in your small group i thought she was yes okay i wasn't gonna say that oh sorry <laughs> that's okay um and we stayed in her life for many years and we watched her learn to draw comfort from God, even though life was still painful and hard. Uh, let me just go back to your, your question. We weren't leading the small group. No, we no, 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 no. You were just part group. of it. Yeah. Okay. So showing that we care by learning to ask sensitive questions can be the catalyst for somebody to heal mm -hmm. and grow and even come to faith. A great question that my husband often asks people in his life mm -hmm. is, you know what it is. How's your heart? Or yeah. how are you in your heart? Depending. Yeah. Often, how's your heart? And when we ask, how are you? People just perceive it as a polite, obligatory greeting, right? They don't assume that you really want to know how they are. Mm -hmm. But asking, how is your heart? Is different. Yeah. And people respond differently. Well, and I grew up with this phrase. Um, and so it is in my lexicon. And so I didn't really realize, I actually remember texting you guys, is that a Christianese thing? Or, 
And and you were like, I think that's a dad thing, but mm-hmm. I use it at work, and now other people use it at my work. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I've got uh, <laughs> um, I I've got them using a few. I also our family kind of jokingly uses that would be a ministry to me sometimes, <laughs> and I'll say that at work, and people think it's so funny that they try to use it, but they misquote it, so they'll be like, that would be like church to me, and I'm like, no. <laughs> That's not what I said. Sure. <laughs> sure. Funny. Okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is a great phrase. And sometimes people hear me say it for the first time. They're like, I really love that. And I'm like, yeah, it's very effective. Mm-hmm. It is because people know mm-hmm. that you're not just asking. So how are you? Oh, yeah. never mind. I'm not listening anyway. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Or like in the UK, mm-hmm. they'll they'll say like, all right, which to me, I'm like, I mean, like on an existential level, I guess. Like, <laughs> but they're not actually asking. And that's the same as how are you? We are not asking. Right. We're just like, it's this just is the nicety. The polite yeah. social thing to say. Yeah. yeah. So what other questions can we come up with that we could ask someone to show that we really care about them? Um, I I usually do, how are you doing? Like actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I use how is your heart a lot. Um I do, and this is very corporate sounding, so you may want to adjust it, but I do a lot of how can I support you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, how, that, how can I help? Yeah, that doesn't necessarily allow them the space to speak, but it does show that like, hi, I'm willing to be involved if you yes, want me to be. Yes, um, I don't know if you watch New Amsterdam. It's a, I do not. a medical drama on TV and the, there's this guy, he's, he's, the medical director of the hospital, mm-hmm. Max Goodwin, mm-hmm. and he, he he's famous for this. He asks everybody, how can I help you? And he mm-hmm. means it. Like, yeah. it's, it's genuine. So that's another one. Um, can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. Often, often that question uncorks bottled up pain or anxiety. Or anger. Some, sometimes people get, ang- like, people are angry at... It, 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 when you offer to pray for them? Yeah. I have never, ever encountered no, that. No, I mean, mm. I've mm. I've seen, I, I haven't encountered it myself, but I've kind of seen it unfold. A lot of people are really angry at God and people that they consider his envoys. Mm. And there's usually a really good reason for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I just have to say, I have You've never, never encountered I have it. never encountered that. I often, someone will often immediately start to cry when I ask that mm-hmm. because they do feel cared for. Well, and that's how my husband came to Christ. Yes. I did not bring him. <laughs> someone else did. Yeah, that um, was a pr- pretty cool thing. Someone came up to him in Home Depot and asked if they could pray for him. Um, so it can. it is a very effective tool. Yeah. And and he wasn't, to be fair, he wasn't just accosting everyone in Home Depot. No. He, he God came, specifically directed him to talk to Scott. Yeah, he said, like, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm, I'm feeling very directed mm. to talk to you or to pray for you. Is that okay? And Scott was like, Yes. And we'd been going to Alpha, so, like, the timing was just a little too coincidental to be a coincidence. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, maybe how can I help is a less intimidating question than can I pray for you, Mm -hmm. but um, that's a question that maybe could be used to soften the ground for a follow-up question Mm -hmm. that maybe goes a bit deeper. And, And it is scary. I admit it. And at times, we're going to be considered nosy. But what's worse, being thought to be uncaring? Yeah. I mean, I'd rather be considered too curious than uncaring. Yep. Personally. Yep. Um, I would rather err on the side of curious compassion. 
One, and I think qualifiers can be really helpful too. Something to the effect of like, I don't need any details Mm -hmm. if you don't want to give them to me. Mm -hmm. You can say as much or as little as you're comfortable with. It's not about understanding the situation. It's about you getting what you need. And yeah, and and in the case of prayer, of bringing what you need before mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I've hugged a stranger who was crying outside the vet's office. Um, I Aww. asked some questions. She she had to put her dog down, and she was just trying to get it together to do that. Uh, I've prayed with a stranger weeping on a park bench because her pregnancy was at risk. That was a really interesting one because I passed this back alley on my walk. I was walking my dog and I saw this homeless guy Mm -hmm. in the alley and I thought, I'm supposed to pray for that guy. And I could not get his attention. (laughs) I couldn't get his attention. And so I thought, okay, well, I clearly didn't hear that right. Not, so you know where the... Toward the where you used to get the bus to, to school. Yep. So I'm heading toward that green belt. And the alley is like, I don't know, a one minute walk from the benches where the, yep. that's where the woman was. And she's crying. And I think, oh, okay, this is the one yeah. I'm supposed to ask. <laughs> and I, I got my wires crossed here. And so I, I prayed for her and she, or I asked if I could pray for her. And she said, oh, yes, please. And. You know, and I think I said something similar to what you said. I don't need to know details. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to tell me is fine. Um, God knows. And uh, and it was a, it was cool. I've, I've also chatted with a woman whose husband had just left her while in a very awkward state of undress in the gym locker room. Oh, I'm like, God, awful. couldn't you wait till I had she, all yeah. my clothes on? Oh, you were undressed. I oh, thought yeah. she was undressed. No, I'm like, that's not so bad. No, I wasn't. So anyway, I mean, we were both dressing while this conversation was happening. But I think that, you know, sometimes representing Jesus means we have to get over ourselves and over our concern about our own embarrassment and reputation. It isn't about us, right? It's about other people. Mm -hmm. And, And loving people often means getting out of our comfort zone and being nosy. Well, and... I also think it doesn't hurt to do a check-in with yourself. Am I being nosy? Because, mm-hmm. like, the reality is you're probably not, um, like, you'll be able to tell when, when, you're, when you're being led. But, um, you know, it's just kind of a reminder. You don't need to ask prying questions. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can, you can just let them. Be sensitive. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and like, yeah, just don't let your nosiness get the better of you in that situation. Because like, boy, would I like to know what's going on. You know what? In my experience, I'm, I usually feel awkward enough that I would be so happy to just be released. Yeah, I don't want to be part of this. That's (laughs) fair. So getting too nosy nosy is never um, part of my problem. My problem is, yes, you need to get over yourself and engage this person because... Mm. You're being led to do that. All right. Well, keep that in mind as you go into this week or the rest of this week, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love for you to uh, like and share this podcast if it 
spoke to you. Um, we'd love to see comments. If We'd love to see comments. Yeah. Throw me a bone. I haven't spoken in front of people, <laughs> actual people, for so long. I'm a person. <laughs> anyway, that is it for us today on Grow On The Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. Thanks for listening to Grow On The Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.